All right, Ephesians 4. This will be the last time we've read this scripture. Um, literally every week we've done this, so I expect you have it memorized by now, and there will be a test at the end of church. Okay, Ephesians 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave, so this is Jesus. He gave to us, he gave the apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. The point of this, and the reason we're leaning into this, is to be able to say, hey, there are these unique leadership roles within the church, and they're meant to build up the body. And so we want to investigate that, and each one of us get to function in some way, shape, or form in these. And yet, at the same time, uh, while we might not uh, major in one of these areas, all of these gifts, are, are uh, we have them in order to grow us each in, in all of these areas of our lives so that the church gets to pour into each other this way. Now, uh, many of you know that I'm, I, I tend to be, many of you know, if you've been around for any amount of time, I tend to talk about history nerd stuff uh, because I love, I love history, I love documentaries, um, uh, and, and so I'm willing to put myself in that category of uh, nerddom, if you will. But uh, one of the things that I get to, you get to see throughout uh, when you look, and honestly, we'll get to see this in movies as well, is how important communications are, uh, especially if you're watching like uh, war documentaries or anything. When you get these letters across or you see actually the troops getting to open letters from loved ones, you get these communications and it makes a world of difference. That communication is like at the bedrock of uh, of all society is being able to receive and have and to give communications. Uh, it, there's, you'll, you'll see pictures of, of troops that are voracious just to hear a word from home of what's going on back on the home front, or you'll, you'll see uh, important letters being written from different leaders across, um, you know, across time. I, I, I was doing a little bit of research and saw uh, that there was a, there was a, a um, telegraph that was intercepted in 1914, a telegraph from Germany to Mexico, inviting them into an alliance with them against the United States right before, as World War I was kicking off. And this is the very thing that pulled United States into World War I and changed, of course, the, 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 literally the nature of the history of kind of the world at that moment. All that was shifted by this letter, this communication. So we know that communication is kind of a different uh, kind of a whole different beast because it's placed such a critical point in our lives. And now we live in a world in which communication now is every, we're in constant communication, right? I mean, we can't even imagine. I'm having a hard time even thinking of a world before cell phones where we couldn't communicate with each other, where we're, we're, we're not able to be uh, in touch with each other at every second of every day. Day. It's actually kind of a crazy thing to think about. In fact, I've got, you know, one of my, my oldest kids is about to start driving. And I'm thinking, I can't even imagine a world in, where, in which he would go out of the house and not have a cell phone for me to be able to get a hold of him. I remember when I was 16, it was like, I don't know, hope you come back, Keith. Well, you know, <laughs> let us know how it goes. I mean, that was the world in which I grew up in, right? 
Communication is such a big, important thing in our lives, being able to communicate with each other and about each other. These are huge things. We can't even imagine a world in which we can't do that. So words are important. Words change things. And so communication words, they, they carry meaning. They carry power. They carry life. And they carry death in them. Words are important. Which means that the most important words... The most important communication, if that's true, the most important communication we'll ever have and the scope of all of our lives are what God has to say to us. There's nothing more important in all of this life than what God has to say about who he is and who he are. And what we actually have is a God who is eager to share his heart from us. So we have these scriptures that are a treasure to us in many ways. Um, and, and, and in many ways, I think sometimes the Bible can even be trivialized in ways uh, where we have these scriptures and often it's kind of referred to as a roadmap or a game plan or a love letter or those things. And, none, and all of those things can be true. But really what the scriptures that we have are is a, a revelation of who God is to our hearts. To be able to see him and know him, to to understand what he wants to say to us about himself. And so Jesus' primary ministry when he comes on the scene is to make sure that we know what the Father is like, to communicate with us who God really is. If you look in John chapter 10, one of his disciples says, says Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and that'll be good for us. That's enough for us. And, and Jesus looks at him, verse nine, he said to him, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me? I think this is so amazing that he says, have I been with you? He says, will you just tell us what the father's like? And he says, well, I've been with you this whole time, Philip. Whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. The words that I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, speaking of the Holy Spirit, who dwells in me, does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works that I do themselves. And so Jesus is saying here, the Father is empowering him to reveal his heart, to reveal the heart of the Father, that Jesus is receiving the revelation of who the Father is, having been eternally with the Father, come and now has the Spirit and is in the Father and the Father's in him to communicate his heart. And what hits us like a ton of bricks when we open up these scriptures or we open up this word where we discover this pure and perfect and glorious and good father who's dear and close and near to each one of us. That's what is so overwhelming about the scriptures. And in fact, what kind of changed the game when Jesus came on the scene is that it shifted the way that we even understood who God was because this glorious God is a father. He's good. And this role of revealing the heart of the Father uh, wasn't just to be, a, listen, Jesus didn't come out just to be a great teacher or just a great shepherd, right? But he 
wanted to lean into this role of sharing the heart of the Father. And that was, hear this, his prophetic promise. That was his prophetic promise. That was his prophetic purpose is to reveal the heart of the Father. That's what he wanted to do. His role is this, he was, his role was this perfect, enduring prophet who didn't just come to reveal a bunch of theological concepts about God, what God would be like, but he actually came to communicate the abundant heart of the Father to call people up and to say, that abundant heart that's in my Father, it's for you. I want you to have that. I want you to experience that abundant life. And so the, the stories that strike us to our core are the ones where just Jesus just ministers to those that are in desperate places. I don't know if, about you, as you've had an opportunity to read scripture before, but you get a chance to see when Jesus comes and meets with desperate people, he changes lives because he's prophetically declaring and showing what the Father is actually like. There's a story in John 4, and we won't read all, we don't, certainly don't have time to get into all of it, but there's uh, a woman who's come at midday to draw water from the well. We find out she's a Samaritan woman, and she's an outcast. She's there at midday because she's an outcast. She has a broken marital and broken sexual history. She's racially seen as inferior, and this is a bad combination, so she's having to go to this place by herself in the middle of the day. But that, in no way, shape, or form, stops Jesus from coming to meet with this woman, and so he walks up to her. He's sending his disciples on into the city, but he walks up to this woman and begins to open up a conversation with her. And he says something that really strikes you at the core because he says, listen, I have water that'll bring life and you'll never thirst again. I have something for you. Meaning he's saying, you've been running and searching for things to try to fulfill this gap in your heart. And I have something for you that would make you never have to run after the broken things again. Why does he say that? Why does he say that to this woman? Because there's a unique and specific revelation of what this poor woman is going through. And the father cares about this woman. So the Father, through the Spirit, has given Jesus specific and unique revelation of what's going on. And he begins to pull her out of this broken place. And he says, well, here's what I want you to do. Go get your husband. Let's go talk about it. And she goes, well, I don't have any husband. And he goes, what? I know you don't have. In fact, you've had five husbands. And the man that you're with now, that you're living with now, isn't your husband either. And I... I love this, I love her response. John chapter four, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. I just, I, I so appreciate just the honesty there in that moment. Because what's happened is the God of the universe has seen her in a specific way, in a unique way. But he isn't there 
to shout her down or condemn her or to <laughs> expose her. I'm a little emotional. It's been, been a weird week, so for us at our house, it's a long story, won't get into it, but I'm so thankful for a father who cares about this woman, not out to condemn or, or bring her down. So what does he do? One, she's undone that he has this understanding or this unique and specific insight into her life. So she doesn't know what to do with it. So she just tries to change the, she tries to go into a theological conversation, which is what honestly we all do. Whenever God puts his finger on something and we go, uh, I don't wanna talk about that. I don't know if you've ever been at that place where we try to not deal with the stuff going on in our lives. And the father just says, no, I care about you too much. And so she tries to change the nature of the conversation. And what does he do? He doesn't shame her. He doesn't judge her. He doesn't condemn her. And what does he do with that knowledge? He actually just invites her to know God's heart. And actually what he says is, listen, the father's not looking for people who have it all figured out or who are religiously perfect or can say that they can sit back on all the great things that they've done. In fact, what he's just looking for are people who have a heart and they're, they're worshipers who come to the father with a heart who just worship in spirit and truth. That's what I would want from you. That's what he wants from her. What I really just, what he's saying is what I really just want is your heart. I really don't care about if it's in this temple or that temple or on this mountain or that mountain. I don't care about those things. What I actually just want is you. That's what I want. I want your heart. So we get to see this picture as we've actually been going through this entire series. What we've seen is these five areas of ministry, these pastors, prophets, evangelists, apostles, teachers, these unique roles. What we found is that Jesus is the perfect embodiment of all of these, and we get to just follow him. And in this particular one, we get to see that Jesus is the perfect prophet, and he's just calling people to be in his family. And that the prophetic purpose of Jesus was to help more and more people know the heart of the Father. And this is the role of the prophet, if you will, in the New Testament church to be a people that call in deep and passionate worship. That that's what Jesus wants to do is just to communicate the, the heart of the Father in personal and intimate ways like he does with this woman where he wants to bless and just remove toxic shame off of our lives. That's the role of prophecy in the church. If you wanna know what is it that this prophet does in the life of the church, it is to declare the heart of the Father. What is this role? It's, it, and what is this gift, right? If prophecy is this gift from God to communicate the heart and the word of God in personal and unique ways that bring the culture of heaven down to earth. That's the point of, of this leadership position in the church is to be able to say, I want you to be able to know the heart and the word of God in unique and specific ways to bring this culture down. This is what Jesus did in this moment with this woman. Now, to be clear, there are, those that, there are, there are some that have taught that this gift of prophecy is kind of just a version of teaching, but it's different from teaching because its aim isn't just to bring understanding of concepts or spiritual truths. And, and, and last week, I got a chance to share about teachers, if you are interested in that, you can go look at our podcast and hear um, 
the role of teacher. So, but this is beyond that. This is a different and unique role. In fact, Paul names teachers and prophets in different places because they do different things. And, and secondarily, I want to be clear about this, right? New Testament prophecy isn't the same as, uh, if you will, Old Testament, capital P, prophets, right? No one's being called any longer to stand as the definitive voice of the Lord because that was accomplished perfectly by Jesus. Jesus was the definitive declaration of who God is. He gets to close off and seal the record of who his father is. And we have that cataloged in the word of God. So he's the final perfect prophet for us. And he's perfectly revealed the father and scripture gets to witness to it. And then we get to stand up under that perfect revelation of who Jesus is and who the father is through Jesus and through the canon or the closing of the word of God. Yet hear this. God hasn't stopped sharing his heart and his character through his servants. He hasn't stopped that. He's eager to share his voice and his heart and understanding into his servants to be a blessing to the people around him. Jesus created this role in his church for servants who are a picture or a shadow of this prophetic ministry of Jesus by sharing the father's heart in personal and unique ways. That's what this role is. That's what God wants to do, right? He wants to get people lined up with the truth of scripture. And then from there, he wants to be able to speak definitively and passionately and personally into our lives. So what do I mean by a picture? We, we function as a picture, a shadow of Jesus' prophetic ministry. What I mean is in the letter to the Corinthian church, Paul says this. He says, I love, he says, pursue love but I want you to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And then what does he say? Especially that you may prophesy. Meaning that, hey, you Corinthian church, or if you will, hey, you New River, you're meant to be a people who continue to share this gift to bless and call up the church. That's what this gift is given to the church for. In fact, in verse three, it says, First Corinthians 14, verse three, it says, this is the one who prophesies, speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. That's the point of this, right? He's not saying that the one who prophesies is the one who's declaring and telling you where you have to live or where you have to go or what you have to do or stand in some kind of authority. That's not what he's talking about. He says, I'm, I'm simply here to bring upbuilding and blessing and encouragement to the church, but we also know, so we also have this scripture here in 1 Corinthians 13, which is really helpful for us. It says, listen, love never ends, but as for prophecies, they'll pass away. And as for tongues, they'll cease for, and as for knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part, hear this church, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Well, what does prophesy in part? I mean, what does that actually mean? And what, it, what he's saying is this, listen. Nobody's standing any longer declaring, thus saith the Lord over your lives. Why? Because we know in part and we prophesy in part. It's not what we're asking for. It's not what Jesus is trying to bring to his church in this moment. We're not commanding people around with our great prophetic gift. And we certainly aren't prophesying in ways that subvert what the scripture says. Is there are many perversions of, of this gift out there trying to subvert the authority of scripture. None of that is going on. 
No one's speaking with the authority of scripture any longer. But what we are doing is in the picture of this prophetic ministry of Jesus is we're sharing the elements of God's heart in specific and personal ways that bring revelation of what God is saying through his spirit. This gift is just meant to build people up. And if we aren't building people up, then we've missed the heart of this gift, and that's what it is to be able to do that. One of the faithful brothers um, that operate in prophetic ministry that we get a chance to listen to, his name's Chris Valentin, he, uh, he makes sure to state this about this prophetic gift. He says, listen, prophecy is a gift to the church, not a reward. Prophecy is a gift to the church, not a reward. And I think it's super easy for us to tend to think that uh, these gifts that we get are due to rewards. And if we get really spiritually awesome, then we, can, we have the ability to do these great and awesome and amazing things. But the truth is, is prophecy is a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's something that we get to receive. It's not something that we earn but it's something that we get to thank God for, right? There's so many incredible gifts, right? Gifts of teaching and gifts of hospitality and gifts of mercy and administration, apostolic leadership and pastoral leadership and all those things. All those are gifts. None of that's earned. None of those are rewards, right? This is all gifts that God gives. This is the ministry of the Spirit to share God's heart. It's what he does. This, this prophetic leadership is just to say, we wanna be able to, be a people who are sharing the heart of God and bringing the culture of heaven down and seeing God move in specific and unique ways. And so I think that the Western church has misunderstood this gift and therefore we're, we're missing a whole piece of the church that God wants to bring life into our lives, into this church, but into his wider church. We're in need of just prophetic leaders, if you will, those that are tuned into what God is saying and ready to share life and encouragement with the body of Christ. And so the question is this, how does this look and what does it operate? What, what is it to have this prophetic gift and, and, and how do we operate it and how can uh, leaders use this, to, this gift to bless and build people up? I just have a few things and then we'll, we'll close out this morning. So here's what this looks like. Number one, uh, prophetic leaders just help nurture a hunger to grow closer in intimacy with God. One of the most basic roles that prophetic leaders get to play in the church is that they just carry a deep, deep desire to know the heart of the Father, to know his word. They wanna hear his voice, they're hungry for it. They wanna know what he's saying and one of the enduring experiences I have had in my own life is anytime I get to hang around with someone that walks with prophetic leadership and prophetic gifting as I just feel more hungry for the Lord when I hang out with them. I get stirred up by their hunger to know his voice and to know his heart and what he's saying to them, that they're just infectious with their love for the Lord. And I, I love that, that you find yourself desiring more connection and more intimacy with God because you hear of their heart and desire, intimacy with the Lord. And it's a powerful thing that 
uh, makes its mark on the church. And so they bless the church with just a deep desire to hear the voice of the Lord, to hear what he's saying. They always have their antennas up and they're always asking, you know, what is God doing in a room or what's God doing in the person that I'm talking to? Or they're just, they're always seeking out, oh, maybe what's, what's the Lord doing corporately, even in this hour, those kinds of things. And, you know, one of the great things is, uh, for those that just want to hear the heart of the Lord is that sometimes those things get shared, but sometimes they, they aren't. Sometimes they're just things that they receive from the Lord and they're able just to pray into and become intercessors for. But each time you get to be around prophetic leaders, what you find is that you just feel stirred for more. I want to have that in my own life, but I love getting to be around that. And I love getting to see that lifted up, uh, certainly in our church. Uh, secondly, prophetic leaders uh, help keep the church pure in its vision and its devotion to the mission that God has given uh, to us. You know, when, the prophet, when prophecy or the gift of prophecy, when prophetic leadership is in, in right operation, it has this balancing uh, uh, effect in the church, meaning that when you're just connected with the heart of the Father, it does this great thing of just bringing the beauty of his conviction in our lives without ever pull, pushing us into places of condemnation. This whole picture of the woman at the well is a great example of that, but there are so many ways in which the Lord comes and he wants to speak life. And I'm telling you, when I say convict, I don't also mean like, because uh, often when we think of the word conviction, we think all of the bad stuff that I do needing to stop. But when, I'm, when I say the conviction of the heart of the, of the Father, what he's also saying is, I have more for you that you have yet to experience yet. That kind of conviction as well, just, hey, there's more for you. And when you get a chance to hear that in our own lives, it's powerful and it moves us. And so this prophetic ministry isn't here to puff up the church in self-righteousness, but it's here to help hold us in this humility and confidence. That when we walk in humility and confidence together, uh, from knowing the Father, it changes the way that we relate with each other, and it's powerful, and it's life-giving, it's moving. Pride comes in as one of the, one of the great uh, enemies of the prophetic ministry is just pride, where it tries to come up and find ourselves being self-important. But the whole point of prophetic ministry is just to keep pointing to God. And I love that about this unique gift. And so the minute that you think you have it all figured out, right, is the minute that you're no longer relying on the Lord. And the goal of prophetic ministry is not say, I have it all figured out, but just to say, I'm, I'm, I'm a vessel, not a receptacle. I'm not the one that's going to get all the revelation myself for myself and then be able to give it to the commoners. I'm just a, I'm a vessel by which God comes and ministers and I share. And so that's the heart of this gift and then uh, finally, the, the prophetic leaders carry the voice of hope that just keep pointing to the narrative of God's kingdom. They keep pointing to the story of God's kingdom. That's what prophetic leaders do, right? Let me put it this way. Most practically in our base level, humans are prone, all of humanity, we're prone to the fear narratives that are, we're, that are just fully rooted in the culture around us, right? Meaning that, before we're transformed by Jesus, the constant thing we feel cycling on is fear, worry, the constancy of believing that the worst is around the corner or that everything is going to fall apart and that voice is going on and on and on to try to, to tear apart what God would want to say over our lives. 
That's what we all are before Christ. But when we come into Christ, we get a brand new identity. And those narratives of fear get shattered. Shame gets shattered. That all those things get shattered off of our lives. And so that prophetic ministry is meant to come in and bring that infusion of hope, right? To be able to say, well, what the enemy and what the world might say is you should fear. But what God says is completely and utterly different. What is God saying? And I just love that about uh, prophecy and prophetic ministry is it's constantly infusing us with hope, constantly infusing us and saying, listen, there is a father right now who is unfazed by the chaos in your life, and he is unfazed by the chaos in the world. And he has a narrative about what's going on in your life that's different than what anyone else might be saying. And prophetic leaders are just wanting to say, well, it looks like it's only darkness, but here's what God would say to it in bringing the truth. And I'm just so deeply grateful for the ways that it's impacted my life. When I want to lean in toward fear, the prophetic voice says, no, here's what God says, because this is what the word says. Here's what is true, because this is who God is. And here's what the Lord is saying in this hour. And it changes our whole perspective. God always has truth. And he always has hope for us, no matter what. There is a voice from a good father, no matter what you're going through, that always brings life if we're tuned into it. And that's what the beauty of this prophetic leadership brings to the church, is to be able to key us in to what God is saying in the midst of all the noise of the darkness. Listen, and this life is gonna end and candidly, this gift of prophecy, it's all gonna end when we're standing face-to-face -face with Jesus. And the communication line is wide open. And in that place, for all who call on the name of Jesus, we're gonna have perfect communication with him. And all of our hopes and dreams will be realized. And there won't be a need for tongues or prophecy or any of this stuff, because it's just gonna, the answer's gonna be standing right in front of us, right? And we get to see that. We get to have that with him. And what Jesus was doing in his prophetic ministry was saying, you can have foretastes of that kind of real communication right now through the Holy Spirit in this gift. That we don't have to wait until we see Jesus face to face to hear his heart for us. That he's communicating that now. And prophetic leaders are just helping champion that voice in the church. And I just love it so much and I'm so deeply grateful for it. And so the church needs those who are just gonna take the word of God and his character and relay it to us in personal and meaningful ways and to call out what we cannot see for ourselves at times. And so there's so many ways in which God does this and I'm, I'm actually running out of time and there's, uh, this is uh, you know, way more to communicate than we could in, in 30 minutes, but I, I wanted to take the opportunity. How are these ways, what are the ways in which prophetic leaders bring this to us? How do we receive his heart for us? Certainly, first and foremost, uh, it comes through God's word. God's word is critical, critical, critical to being able to know the voice of the Father. And so prophetic leaders are always keyed in love and treasure the word, and they're listening to the word of God so that at the right time, I don't know if you've ever been with someone, and at the right time, someone's shared a scripture with you that you've heard a thousand times that all of a sudden it means something completely different because someone shared it at the right moment, and it changed you. 
That's prophetic leadership right there. I love, what are other ways in which prophetic leaders hear the voice of the Lord? We, we get the chance to do that fruit through, uh, uh, through um, nature, right? Psalm 19, read Psalm 19. That's your homework. Go read Psalm 19. It's this beautiful encounter of where we get to see God moving through nature. We get a chance to understand who he is. It says that the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. It's powerful. In Acts chapter 2, Verse 17, it says, in the last days it shall be, God declares that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I'll pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. I love that our life has been impacted through dreams. That we have prophetic leaders in our lives where we get to hear, or we, you know, we get to have dreams and we go, Lord, is that you? Now listen, is every dream prophetic? Absolutely not. In fact, some of them are just, you ate something funky for dinner, okay? But let me tell you something. I think more times than we might even be able to know, the Lord's speaking to us through dreams. He said, because I'll pour out my spirit on those days, I'm gonna speak through dreams and visions, when I say visions, I'm talking about pictures or uh, uh, impressions, and I'll finish with this. And there's so many other ways in which the Lord speaks. He, he speaks through us, um, through music. Uh, there's five different psalms that says the Lord's gonna give you a new song to sing, something that's coming out of you, right? That's coming from it within you. But I'll finish with this because it's time for us to finish up. But, and I've shared this story before, but I'll go, and I'll be brief about it. Uh, but we were trying to figure out if we were supposed to leave Texas and come be a part of this church. And uh, we had come out for an interview and had done like the tryout sermon. We were, this was five years ago and um, we were a, a part of a really life-giving church in, in West Texas. And uh, we were supposed to come out for a second time to do a second round of interviews and we were flying out the next day and I was uh, at my church in, in Texas and we had a man that came up to us is it one of, just one of, the, one of these great, Old man, he had a big old bushy beard. It's awesome. And um, kind of looked like Santa Claus without the red suit. He didn't wear a red suit, so he wasn't weird like that. But, um, but he came up to us and he just said, hey, I just, I want you to know, I, I saw you walking and I just had this picture that came to me. And I, what I saw was uh, a picture, Keith, of you like Abraham. And you had this Abraham call and you were gonna, go out and you would go to another place and that wherever you went, there were, you'd, there were other tents that would be planted around you and they would pop up and there would be growth and there would be life. And I just saw this picture and I just wanted to share it with you. He wasn't saying, thus say the Lord. He, he had no idea the next day we were flying out to come out here and to say that literally the next day. And we were asking this question, God, are you asking us to leave everything we've ever known in Texas, all of our family, to come out to this beautiful place and leave everything behind to start something new. And, and we got this picture, this guy who came to share. He had no idea, no one knew, he knew nothing about what was happening, but it was just one of the many, and I could share many, many of these stories of where God shared his heart for us. It wasn't in the scripture, I want you to hear this. He didn't tell me you're Abraham, he didn't say, Thus saith the Lord, you're supposed to move. Didn't say any of those things. He just came and said, I have a picture. 
And I just want you to know this picture. And we're here in part because we had a prophetic brother who was just willing to share. This is what God wants to do in our church. It's what he wants to do in your life. And I'm going to say he wants to build this leadership gift in you to do for others. There's nothing more powerful than getting to do that. I'm going to pray for us and we'll go. You guys stand with me. Father, I thank you right now that you have words to speak to us, that you're leading us in life, that you've not left us alone and that you are raising up servants who with humility and confidence want to share your heart. I thank you, God, that this is what you do and this is what you have for your people. And I do just want to bless each and every person now, you guys that are joining us at home, but also that are here in the room. And I just want to say this, if you just sense that the Lord's got this gift of prophecy or this prophetic leadership where it's meant to just grow in you. Maybe you've sensed it, but there, you want more of it. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, I think this is something I'm meant to grow in. I think this is for me. It's something God has for me. That's good. It's awesome. Thank you. Father, I thank you for this precious gift that you've given to us. I thank you for everyone that's ready to grow in it. And I bless them now in the name of Jesus to be ones who grow in the in this rich gift that you have to give to your church, to be people who speak your heart and share your heart and truth. I pray, God, that you'd give and grant that to us. We bless you and we thank you so much for caring for us this way and leading us into life. Would you release this gift in our church? Would you release this gift in this city to be a blessing and to encourage and to build up your church? We thank you for dreams and visions and the truth of your word. And we thank you for impressions and ideas and new songs and all of the ways that you prophetically speak to us. We want to receive it more now. We bless you. We love you. In your name, we pray all of these things. Amen. Amen. Blessings on you guys. You go. We're here for prayer at the front. If you guys want to ministry, uh, you guys grab some coffee on your way out. Love you. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.